This is Pete Moore. I want to tell you about a company that is going to change the entire recruiting in the Halo sector. The company's called GamePlan. We are GamePlan.com. What they do is they connect employer brands with D1, D2, D3 athletes across the country. They power the software that allows these employers to get in front of tens of thousands of athletes. If you watch the NCAA tournament, the hustle, grit, preparation, determination, and absolute desire to win embodies every athlete out there. Now you're going to be able to put your brand in front of those athletes, start to get them to understand after their college career, they can get into the halo sector, go work at a studio, a health club, fitness equipment company, supplements, anything related to this industry, they can now parlay those skills and bring it into the sports and fitness industry that we are going to have the best athletes become the best employees and create the best companies. And that is the future of Halo. One, two, three, Halo. We are gameplan.com. Check it out. This is Pete Moore at Halo Talks NYC hosting this podcast courtesy of the County of Nassau County and Suffolk County combined. Dave from Oceanside, Pete Moore, Westbury, and Corey coming from Old Beth Page. Oh, that's right. I like the Old Beth Page. Old Beth Page, yeah. It's got a little higher demo, probably a little higher property value and also probably a little more taxes. So, Corey, welcome to the show. Volo Fit and a sales expert and customer experience. Good to see you. Good to see you guys, too, and, and a pleasure to be part of the New York crew. All right. Awesome. So we'll try to expand this outside of tri-state area. If we've got any listeners here, please stay with us. There's a public courtesy announcement. Uh, so, Corey, talk about your background and what kind of gave you the uh, opportunity to get to the point where, you know, you're an expert in, um, you know, optimizing bricks and mortar businesses and basically any business that, you know, really has loyal customer base and they just maybe don't know it yet. Yeah, gosh, right. I mean, talk about going back a ways now. So it's funny to think about, you know, your own career and how long it's been. And when you're in the fitness industry, you know how that goes. It takes years off your life, right? Because it's a grind. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I always tell people when I got my start, I always, I always talk about lifetime. If you've never been in a lifetime, I know you guys have. It's a great place to start understanding the business side. I always say two things. I always say if you're a trainer, which was where I got my start. Um, you have two, you come to a fork in the road at some point when you're a trainer, you can either continue to grind as a trainer. Uh You got one point I was doing 220 sessions a month, which is not sustainable. I had no life, of course, or you can try to start on the management side of the business. And there was a period of time where I contemplated that. And when I was at lifetime, it afforded me the opportunity. So I really learned the business side of, of lifetime, um, and the fitness industry. And then from there was fortunate to work for some of the premier companies in the world, Equinox, most recently F45. And then I made the switch to VoloFit because of the opportunity um, uh, that I have there. So yeah, I mean, it's been a long career, but I've certainly been in every position along the way. Gotcha. So, you know, I've listened to a lot of your uh, your videos that you've done recently. And, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, either build a product or build a location. And then they've either got trouble retaining members, they got trouble um, bringing on new members and they kind of blame it on, well, they don't just don't get it. Um, and you know, one of the things that I've kind of come through with Dave is, you know, look, you built a business, you know, that's your responsibility. So kind of, how do you go in and, you know, either gently or 
you know, more aggressively, like hit somebody with a stick and be like, Hey man, this is on you. Like you're the education, the sales, the marketing, the relationships, like you, you, you're actually, you can't outsource that. I'm going to give you the tools. And it's got to become part of your DNA. Yeah. So being from New York, we can hit them with a stick. So, so you know, <laughs> often early in my career, that's what I used to do, but this is, this is the evolution of my, my mindset throughout uh, my career, which is, I understand now that a business is made or or broken, uh, starting with the owner, right? Or, yeah. or, or ownership group. And that's just yep. the bottom line. Owners will blame it on the GM and their staffing. Staffing will blame it on them. But like you're setting the tone at the top, right? So yep. um, with that said, um, I, again, the evolution of me was I never really studied sales. I was a trainer. At one point, I uh, was a trainer on the show, The Biggest Loser. I got to train a lot of pro athletes. That was awesome. That's kind of what I thought I was going to do the rest of my life. Um, and I started to reflect on like, why was I so successful with that? Sure, my training was great. But really what I, what I reflected on was that the relationship between you and the customer, even before they become a client, has to be genuine and honest, right? Yeah. And so the first half of my career, I sum up by saying I wanted to sell the most expensive package because it brought in the most money. Right. And what I didn't realize is that is not the most important thing. In fact, I don't even care about money. There's a funny story. My first ever pro athlete, I'm dating myself, but you guys will, you guys will recognize the name. My first ever pro athlete was Vinny Testaverde when he was the quarterback of the Jets, right? Oh, so sure. back in the day, Vinny played for 20 years, um, had a pretty good career. Most people know him from the Jets. And I'll never forget, he, he contacted me through a friend and was like, hey, can we, can we work out? I'm like, sure. And he's like, uh, how much do you charge? And at that point, I was like, I'm going to charge this guy $100 a session. Right. And so he's like, how much was it for 10 sessions? That was the question. How much was it for 10 sessions? And my answer should have been $1,000, right? $100 a session. He asked me how much it was for 10. But my answer was $100 a session. And the reason why I didn't say $1,000 was because I was afraid that that sounded like a lot of money. Right. And that was a big mistake. That was the first time in my career that I understood that as long as my program, my service, my product is a kick-ass service and product, I don't care what the price is. And so the first thing we have to teach an owner is they have to believe in their brand. They have to be passionate about their brand. And I use a ton of examples. Apple. Apple never discounts their brand. They give you a gift card. So most recently for the holiday, they'll say, if you buy an iMac, we'll give you a $100 gift card. They don't take $100 off the iMac because what it does is, right, devalues your brand. How many times in the industry, Pete, have you seen personal training discounted like every single month, yep. right? It's so annoying and it's so right. disheartening to a trainer. So number one, in ownership group, when I go in and teach them, we, they have to understand not to devalue their brand and they have to be really passionate about it. And if you think about what passionate brands do or great brands, they do two things. Number one, they're passionate about what they sell. And number two, their price reflects it. And sure. it might be a, a, a really big price tag for it, but you can bet that they believe in that. So that, that's the number one thing we have to teach an ownership group. Yeah. You know, we work with a company called Promotion Vault. I don't know if you've been exposed to them, but they basically do gift cards in complimentary businesses or aspirational mm -hmm. businesses. So you want to give, you know, that $1,000 uh, uh, personal training, you know, you give a hundred dollar, you know, Lululemon card, which doesn't affect yep. your revenue. Um, it doesn't discount your value. Um, you know, there definitely has been a race to the bottom, you know, when it comes to planet. And I think people cut price because they think that that's the only thing that they can think of to do on, on the marketing side. 
instead of, you know, optimizing it. I bring this up a couple of times in some recent podcasts, but I'll bring it on now. There's a, there's a company out in California, a franchise, they're in the weight loss boot camps side of the business and they charge $695. Um, and then if you go uh, 24 times in the first six weeks, they leave a check on the counter. They actually reimburse you the 695 at the end and no one takes the money. Wow. You change their life and they want to roll that into, you know, nutrition plan or a, um, or, or a membership plan. Um, you know, but price discounting or selling off a price, I was kind of hoping all that was going to go away. You know, once <laughs> COVID hit, you <laughs> like our industry could like, let's get rid of that because, you know, people should be willing to pay, you know, at least $500 a month for their, their health and fitness and their well being. And I feel like somehow people started to forget about that over the last couple of months because they're jonesing to bring in more clients so and they're true. nervous. And, and what people do when they're nervous is they cut price. Yeah, but you bring up a great point because along the same lines of, you know, when I talk to owners, it's it's okay, so you need to provide a great experience to back up the value of your product and service price. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what does that entail? And very often we forget the little things. And so let me give you a couple examples of what, what I'm most passionate about when we talk about what is that onboarding experience of a potential new member, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can't rely just on programming. I mean, programming is great. Everywhere I've been, we've had great programming, uh, especially in the boutique side of the business because it's a little bit more personal, more community feel. But what else do you get for that? So, sure, you can do an in-body scan. We can do some nutritional aspect to, to the value that you build, some challenges along the way. But let me talk about the little things, right? So you join, seven days later, you get a call from the GM or head coach just to check in. Right. right. What a profound thing to think about. Right. But it's true. That goes a long way. I can't tell you how many people I've gotten on the phone after seven days just to check in and go, how's your experience so far? Did you, yep. did you do, you know, have you taken advantage of your in-body scan? 30 day check-in, right. Making sure that they bring a friend a referral, obviously for some of the challenges we do throughout the year. And I compare that to the old version of what fitness used to be in the big box space, which was you walked into a big box to check it out. And they brought you on that museum tour, the dreaded museum tour, right? Yeah. Where they just show you everything. It always fascinated me when they would take you around and show you everything there is in the gym, where the average person only uses two or three areas. Like, show me the strength training area and the cardio, and I'm good, man. Like, that's right. it. I don't care about the pool. I get it while they do it, right? But what right. if you you walked into a big box and the, and the sales associate just came up to you and said, hey, Corey, what's the first thing you want to see today? I'd be like blown away. Right. And so that's what I talk about. The experience is everything. It's every interaction, not just when you join, because again, Pete, we, and you know, this, we spend so much time talking about how to get new members. We spend little time understanding how do you retain them? And the average owner doesn't get it. They're all about the upfront sale, but you're going to leave you. If you, you know, have 20 people join, but you lose 18 every month, you're netting two members. You're not yeah. really going to grow. It doesn't I used, make to, sense. I used to, I used to like call, call up uh, when I was working in the gold's gym system, you know, somebody called and be like, yeah, I had a, I crushed it this month. Like, what happened? I'm like, yeah, I sold 250 memberships. I'm like, how many did you lose? They're like 245. And I'm just like, man, that is a lot of work for plus five. You know, I don't know if you should be doing high fives on that, you know, to your point on, yeah, I said this the other day on a video call. You know, I used to go to Soul Cycle six days a week back mm. when I was in New York. And um, over time, everybody knew my name when I checked in, but no one ever asked me, like, 
hey, man, what are you trying to achieve today? Oh. We're like, what kind of goals do you have that we could help you with? I'm like, I'm paying you guys 35 bucks a visit. So uh, point is that, you know, they have an opportunity. I have a relationship with them. And it's a really deep relationship with SoulCycle when I was there. You know, what do you really know about me? You know, and how do you value, you know, to your point about, we just did this book called Time to Win Again. We'll send you a copy. But one of the business and team analogies with sports is value every possession. Like you're on offense every possession. And I got a relationship with you. And, you know, to, to just one other anecdotal story, which I think you're going to love, is a buddy of ours at Brian Mitchell who runs Promotion Vault, used to be a personal trainer out at the World Powerhouse Gym in, in Venice. And uh, his shtick on selling memberships was he would go, somebody would come in, he'd be like, hey, what are you looking to do? And he said, I'm looking to lose 25 pounds. So he used to bring him to the dumbbell rack and he'd say, hey, pick up a 25-pound dumbbell. And then he'd walk him around the gym. Until inevitably, someone says, hey, Brian, can I put this 25-pound dumbbell down? He's like, hey, man, you know how much better you're going to feel when you lose 25 pounds? And then he slaps down the membership agreement, selling 400 memberships a month. You know, so like figure out, diagnose what someone's looking to achieve and figure out how you are going to get them to do that. And then follow up personally, like got a relationship with them. So you know, that's, that's not through email. So true. First of all, I won't even get into some of the crazy stuff I used to do to sell memberships. I've done that for sure. <laughs> um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I appreciate that story for sure. I will tell you that you're exactly right. Anyone that knows me and knows whenever I present, wherever, I always talk about the fact that great salespeople, and I use that term, everyone's a salesperson. That's the bottom line. Like I right. don't consider myself a salesperson. The bottom line is I am. Right. And, and so even as a trainer, my whole life, we sell. In fact, it's harder for us to sell. We're trying to sell what someone's goal is. And so it always astounded me. And this goes back to getting on the phone with owners all the time. The lack of awareness to ask that key question. You know how many times I've role played where an owner or a GM or a salesperson or a head coach has never asked me what my goal is. And I'm going, how, like, how do you, you think I'm just going to fork over money. You don't even know why, right? right. Why I would want to go in the first place. It gets back to one of my favorite quotes. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. I say it all the time. Say by a guy named Simon Sinek. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. If you don't understand why someone would want to join your facility in the first place, then you're missing the point. And all too often, we talk a lot about what we have to sell. Like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And like, why don't we just pause, talk about what their you know goals are. And so for me, it's about asking powerful questions. Powerful mm. questions to me are key questions you would ask a customer before they're a member, such as what's your goal. Um, but powerful questions do a couple of different things. Number one, they overcome objections before they even happen, right? Because yep. no matter how great of a trainer you are or a GM or a salesperson or an owner, we get objections. We hear no more than yes. So a great, powerful question like, hey, who supports you in reaching your goal? You know, questions like that could overcome objections. The second thing a powerful question can do is it could plant a seed for later on. So instead of sounding real salesy, you could just plant a nice little seed, use it later on. And then third, and, and finally, a powerful question ultimately can really get to the heart of making a decision. It could activate the decision-making part of the brain. Like, Pete, how would you feel if you were able to lose those 15 pounds, right? Like, and then the customer just starts thinking like, I'd feel great, right? And so when you put all those things together, again, all about the customer. What's mm -hmm. your goal? Why is it your goal? Who supports you? What's your motivation on a scale from one to 10, right? All those things 
are integrated into what that experience should be like when you're interacting with a customer, not only for the first time, but an ongoing relationship. Yeah, that's great. You know, one of the things that struck me, um, which I'm sure you'd have some good commentary on, is the use of technology has become almost like an excuse to doing human interaction, right? In this industry, you know, you, you're building friendships is what you're really doing. And then you're getting paid for that friendship, right? And, you know, I hear a lot of gym owners or studio owners, you know, say, oh, I sent out an email drip campaign or I did this and that. I'm like, look, you only have 300 members, right? So if you just took the, the month of January and you as the owner and with your GM or with your personal trainer, whoever actually has a connectivity with that person, if you just called those people or texted them on a three person text and say, hey man, I'm the owner or, uh, you know, I'm going to be in the club or in the studio every day this month. Like, come find me. Or I'm going to be here. Like, I want to get to know you personally. It's like, if I went to summer camp, like at the, at the end of like the second week, you know, everybody's name, right? It's not that difficult. Um, and I feel like people, you know, this technology is this advanced weapon system and people don't, you know, maybe trying to optimize the weapon system, but they forgot that like, Hey, this is like a, this is a face-to-face communication system. Oh, I spend half my day looking at the automation platforms we use for the, the auto text, auto email. And it's, we're, a te- we're too text happy in terms of like automation. Right. There's not that personal touch. We fire off these drip campaigns, right? To your point, they're generic. And it's great because I look, I, I've looked in my past couple of roles where I can go on the studios and look like what those interactions were like. And when you call the, the staff, like when was the last time you called someone? And they forget, like, listen, it, it does take eight to 15 times, depending upon what um, study you're looking at to get a hold of a lead. But the, the coolest study I looked at was it takes eight to 15 times to get a hold of a lead, but the average salesperson gives up after four. You're not even close to get them, right. getting them on the phone. People want to talk about their goals. They don't want to be sold. And that's the mentality. We think we're selling them. Therefore, the salesperson, the GM, the coach, whoever it is, is nervous to get someone on the phone. And so we hide behind that automation. It freaks me out every time, pisses me off. And that's why the last 10 years, I'm so role play happy. And you know, that's what I'm known for, for people that know me is I will put people on the spot and just be like, call me up. I am a guy that called into your studio. I'm, you know, I live down the road. Here's my name, call me up. And they're like, uh, and like, they don't even know how to role play. We've lost that sensibility. You know, one thing that, um, Okay, so I was having a Moscow mule the other day with this guy, right? Okay. And uh, he's telling me what his open rate is on his emails. I'm like, bro, what do you think your open rate is in person? It's 100%. (laughs) Okay. Why don't you like do a little more in, in, you know, in person interactions and you'll probably get better results than like hoping someone opens your email, like 10 to 1, right? It's so true. I I used to tell people um, when I used to train them on voicemails, voicemails are a whole nother. I could go on about voicemails. You have people that don't leave voicemails when they're doing like lead calls or whatever. Yeah. And then you have people that that leave voicemails. And whenever I come into contact with someone that doesn't leave a voicemail, I go, let me just set the tone for you here. If you leave, if you call a hundred people and don't leave any voicemails, will you get a call back? And they're like, no, because I didn't leave a voicemail. Then you, what if you called a hundred people and you left a hundred voicemails? Might you get someone to call you back? And they're like, probably. Then leave a freaking voicemail. Right. Like let them hear who you are. I also love getting a staff to leave messages for themselves on their voice memo. It's astounding how people sound 
right. to themselves. And it's also embarrassing. Calls are literally just like, um, hey, Pete, just want to confirm your appointment to come in Thursday. Like, that's not getting Pete excited. Right. Like, it should be like, Pete, I'm excited for you to come in Thursday. I want to understand your goals, what you've been doing in the past. I'm going to introduce our head coach, Corey. I'm really excited. That's a voicemail. Right. We don't do that. We, we, so, we take the shortcut. Yeah. I mean, look, um, and, and to your point about like ownership and management and kind of having a, a playbook for this that voicemail should be scripted out. Just like, you know, if we're, you know, Vinny Testaverde is throwing me like an eight yard, you know, button hook timing pattern pattern. I'm going eight yards and I'm, then I'm turning around to my left and that ball is going to be in my hands or it's going to hit my chest. Right. It's not like, Hey, you know, just go like six or 10 or whatever. And I'll, I'll find you. Right. So like the script on the voicemail should be exactly what you had. It should be memorized like the pledge of allegiance. No, it's so true. I think, you know, my, when I reflect on my time at F45 was, it was a tough decision to leave F45. I, I, I still have a lot of great friends there since they've gone public and obviously a huge network, but it gave me the opportunity, especially during COVID being battle tested through that. I just, you know, I oversaw a lot of studios. And so every day for eight hours, I'd be on a phone with an owner every hour from a different area of the world, yeah. Canada, the U S the middle East. And it was interesting, but everyone, it doesn't matter where you're at. Everyone had the same issues. An owner either has experience in the field or they don't. Mm-hmm. More times than not, they actually didn't. Um, and so that made it difficult because right. you had to teach them everything. Then it was about them just letting go and empowering some really intelligent people that they hire to run the studio. Right. Because you need both of those aspects. Both of those cogs need to be part of the wheel. So um, it was fun as well. But teaching all of that to the staff and then making sure it's consistent. I, I remember being in a in a meeting at Lifetime years ago. I hated my boss there. So, um, but I, in retrospect, I, I could see why he 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 was the, the 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 GM there at the time. And I'll never forget. He gave a, a speech and he said the two most important words in business are accountability and consistency. Yeah. And I'm like, you're so right. I could teach you something today if you don't practice that forget it. You're going to forget it. Right. And so my, when I went to 24 hour fitness, it was great. We, we instituted something called sharpen the saw every day for 15 minutes, the GM would pull the sales team in and they would yep. just practice yep. something in role play, like overcome objections. Right. So Pete, someone says, I got to talk to my spouse. What do you say? And he's just sharpening that saw every single What do you day. say on that? So you want to hear what I used to say in my, my yeah, early twenties? Sure. Yeah. Um, Hey, here's my phone. You want to uh, call your wife now? That's what I was hoping you were going to say. And in my head, I was conversation, man. Get yeah, her like on that the phone. Sounds, get her over here. That sounds so good to me, but in retrospect, probably didn't, didn't make the person. So aggressive. now, now it's about asking a great question before you get to that point where they say, I, get, I need to talk to my spouse. Like, hey, Pete, who supports you? And right. you'd be like, hey, my ex-wife does. Awesome. Because <laughs> not calling her. That's right. I love it. I love it. You know, one of the things I want to get your take on here is, um, and it kind of dovetails into like walking around the club and showing everybody every single thing you have, you know, what is the best way for someone to package up in a very succinct elevator pitch? You know, not, here's a laundry list of everything I have. Like Apple doesn't tell you ever on a 30 second, awesome, inspirational commercial, every single new upgrade or every app or like the technology and the camera. You know, and Dave and I kind of, you know, we've done 300 plus podcasts. So, you know, we kind of view it as like, you got to be selling fun. You got to be selling friends or you got to be selling results. You know, exactly. so how do you, how do you think about that? Or how do you customize that? 
and get people to understand like, Hey, look, you, this isn't like an a la carte menu at the yep. Italian restaurant. Like this is like, hit me with what? Yeah. I've, I've, uh, that just brought back bad memories. Remember when like he, this salesperson <laughs> at the, at the end of the tour would slide the menu of membership options towards you. And you're supposed yeah. to make a decision of like the eight that are on there. Yeah. So it, for me, it always starts with putting the customer in the right mindset. So think about this. So Pete, if we were, if we were in a big box gym and be honest here, what would be the one area you would definitely want to see first? Because that's probably the area you'd use the most. I mean, I probably would just look at the free weight section. Great. So think about the feeling for a second. Let's say I'm talking to you in the free weight section versus me talking to you in front of, let's say the, the pool, let's say they have a pool. Right. Where are you just inevitably more comfortable? Well, I mean, if I, if I got my man groomer with me, then maybe I'll go in the pool. If I don't, I'm probably more comfortable in the strength area. Yes. I'm going to say strength. Cause that's a vision Thank I don't you. want to say. Thank you. Right, no, Dave, we're not going to put any yeah. visuals up. This is why we don't do video, man. Yeah, we just fine. do I audio. Like so that's I can good. say shit like that and just that's like walk good. away from it. That's perfect. So for me, <laughs> it's about getting people in the right spot first. So at 24 right, hour right. fitness, when we, we literally constructed the entire, what the tour was prior to that it was a museum tour every every club in the nation was just taking people all around right and so first it would start with like hey out of what what area the most you want to see today pete you'd be like the strength training area great let's walk and so where do you think we're walking to as you and i are walking next to each other i mean we're going we're we're heading straight there we're heading straight to the strength training area yep as we're going there i start asking you powerful questions because before i give you my elevator pitch about us being the solution I need to figure out like what you're trying to achieve. It's always amazing. You could tell me everything great about your product. How do you know you're the right solution for me? If you don't even know what I'm I'm trying to do. So it's, it's, I use an acronym called SUPS. What's your specific goal? What's your underlying motivation? What's your past experience? What's your strategy now? Great. All that is happening, right? I'm giving you a little bit about me as well. So I'm relating to you, building that relationship, right? Right. And so I use that area for what you're trying to achieve as my staple. That's my staple. And then I build everything around that. To me, a great elevator pitch and I had the opportunity to, to kind of be on Shark Tank, which is a whole nother mess. Um, clearly, I did not become a millionaire from the show, but um, I did invent a fitness product. But what it taught me was, and if you've ever watched Shark Tank, people yep. walk out and they got to give a 20 second elevator pitch, right? Right. To me, it's always a, starts with, hey, a summary of what you just told me about your goal and then it lead back. It leads back to us being the solution. And I want to name one or two things about my gym. So it might sound like, "Hey, Pete. So you talked a little bit about the fact that you're you want to lose ten pounds because you're getting remarried again in six months. Congratulations on that, Thank by you. the way. And that that's really not true, the, by the way. But keep going. Yeah, I know, not okay. true. Thanks. Um, and that's really the golden nugget as to what's motivating you, right? All that sounds about sure. right, Pete? Yeah. Awesome. So the reason why I think this would be a great spot for you is because number one, you love our strength training area. You feel like there's a lot of variety. Yeah. Number two, we want to try to build some support around that. So you're going to get that trial we talked about with our training staff. You're going to meet Corey, the head coach. He's phenomenal. And just give you some added value to make sure that you're doing something other than just that training, strength training. How does that sound to you? So that's a, just an easy sure. way of doing it. But the four formula is make them feel good in the right area. Talk about what their summary of goals are and then lead back to you as a solution. That's awesome. So obviously you got a lot of quotes, you got a lot of acronyms. Um, so give us like your, a takeaway here uh, as we uh, we finish up our, uh, our first of many podcasts. I think we should set up a whole different oh, yeah. product line here and uh, 
uh, do this do this more often. But uh, you know, give us like one of your favorite business quotes or you know something that people can take away here is like this is the one thing I need to really focus on is uh, from this. I'll give you uh, two. One sure. one of which I'll expand on. I gave you before, but one is from Howard Schultz. I talk about Starbucks all the time. I'm yeah. a guy that goes to Starbucks twice a day. I'll go with and you. Doesn't matter where I'm at. Yep. I spend two dollars and fifty cents on a coffee. But here's the funny part: I don't like the coffee. So people go, well, why do you go to Starbucks? When you talk about a customer experience for me, when you walk into Starbucks, the first thing you see people doing are they're getting stuff done. They're sitting at a table. You go on dates at a Starbucks. You get term papers at a Starbucks. Yeah. You go on social media, right? You're getting stuff done at a table in a coffee shop. You then get online, Pete, and we speak a different language. You know what we speak at a Starbucks? Italian and Spanish. We say things like venti macchiata, right? And then we call the people there something really special. You know what we call the people that work there? Baristas. That's Baristas. Awesome. What a great name, right? Yeah. Like, but it's just a coffee shop. And so Howard Schultz, yeah. the former CEO of, of Starbucks, used to always say, it's not about the coffee. It's about the experience. So that's number one. Always I remember, yep. always nothing trumps experience. And then my last point to Simon Sinek, which I alluded to before, is people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. The goal I always tell people is never to get someone to buy something from you based on what you have. To be honest with you, we all have the same stuff in fitness. Right. We all have weights. We all have music uh -huh. that plays in our gyms. We all have a staff, right? It's all the same. The goal is to get something to buy something from you because they believe in what you believe in. And that's what I try to do in the fitness industry the latter half of my career. Awesome. Uh, well, this has been a great uh, conversation. And um, whether we should have met 20 years ago or now, so be it. Um, and uh, we'll have in the show notes here how to reach out to Corey. And uh, I'll see you in person in uh, in Long Island here over the next uh, couple months. So I'll see you great on the black you course. On, buddy. That yeah, plays we'll, black course. Yeah, man, we'll play. We'll play nine and not keep score. All right. All right. Thanks. I'll talk to you Thanks, later, guys. man. Have you a got it. Take care, buddy.